The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Adulting, it's harder than it looks. And they say it's not what's caught, but what's taught, right? And so then the question is this, what are you teaching that you don't mean to teach to impressionable minds and hearts? What are younger people catching from you that you didn't even mean to teach? And before you go checking out on me because you're not a teacher or a parent, let me just say what what I wanna share with you today is not just for parents, but for anyone who is making an impression on the next generation. The truth is, if you're an adult or if you're growing into adulthood, you have a responsibility for how you're living because it's what's caught, not what's taught. And there is, in our nation today, a crisis of parenting and influencing the next generation. And so I challenge you, how are you influencing the next generation? And so let's talk about this whole crisis. The reality is we live in a politically correct world which means that you can't tell someone that what they're doing is right or wrong. It's an anything goes environment, so we don't know what's good parenting or bad parenting. And in a culture where we have devalued marriage, we have devalued fatherhood, we have devalued parenting, the end result is that we have a significant drop in people who are being good fathers. What I mean by that is simply this. Let me give you some statistics. Uh, 42% of children growing up in America today are not growing up in a home with their biological mother and father. 42%. 25% of children are growing up in a home without a related father figure. There's, there's no father figure in the home. And what does that mean? That does not mean that a single mom cannot be a good mom. It just means she can't be dad. It doesn't mean the step-parent can't be a good parent. It just means a step-parent can't be mom or dad, right? And some of you, the moment I say that, you're immediately feeling insecure. You're, you're, you're getting upset. It's bringing back pain from your past. And this is why it's so hard to talk about parenting because many parents feel insecure. Many people carry pain and regret and hurt from the trauma in their past, trauma from their childhood. And, and so first, I want you to know that I am in no way uh, judging or condemning, nor is this a goal is to stir up pain from your past, but let's at least talk about that. Let's at least deal with the reality of this pain. Most of us who are parents feel insecure about parenting because we carry guilt, we carry regret, we feel frustrated about mistakes we've made, things we've said or done, and so we're embarrassed by that. And so to talk about parenting is very difficult because all of us feel insecure. Look, in my home with, with five kids, there are lots of moments where I feel really insecure about things we've done, things we've said, and so it's almost embarrassing. In fact, it was really hard for me to even muster the courage to talk about parenting. But here's the deal. We, we've got to address this issue of not just parenting, but adulting. How are we making an impression on the next generation? And specifically, let's look at the end result of fatherlessness. I, I got this quote from the book, uh, The Boy Crisis. And so I just want to share this with you. 
The author Warren Farrell writes, without dads as role models, boy's testosterone is not well channeled. The boy experiences a sense of purposelessness, a lack of boundary enforcement, rudderlessness, and often withdraws into video games and video porn. At worst, when a boy's testosterone is not well channeled by an involved dad, boys become among the world's most destructive forces. When boys' testosterone is well channeled by an involved dad, boys become among the world's most constructive forces. And they're saying the key between a boy growing to become a destructive versus constructive force comes down to this, having an involved dad. And and so that comes down to parenting. That comes down to adulting. Who's influencing the next generation? Let me just put out the brutal realities in our nation to you because there is, it's not just because I say there's a crisis, statistics tell us there is a crisis when it comes to fatherlessness in our nation. So let me just give you some statistics. Regarding children who grew up in a fatherless home, here are the facts. 63% of youth suicides, which is five times the average, are from children who experience fatherlessness. 90% of children that are homeless or run away were from a fatherless home. 85% of adolescents diagnosed with behavioral disorders, which is 20 times the average, are from fatherless homes. 70% of youth in the juvenile detention, in juvenile detention centers or in a government-run institution for correctional purposes, 70% came from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescents in a substance abuse center are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists driven by anger were from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts from fatherless homes. Okay, am I saying right now, let's just give up. Oh my goodness, there's no hope. No, I'm not saying give up. I'm saying let's step up. I am saying there is hope in the midst of the statistics, but it's gonna require something different, something better. In, In essence, let me just ask the question. Is this the only way or is there a better way? Is it okay that we have a growing fatherless generation? Is it okay that too many kids are ruling the home and making parent decisions instead of parents? Is it okay, and I'm, I'm gonna step on some toes and I, please hear me. Is it okay that when you go to the psychiatrist, the psychologist, the therapist, when you talk to a doctor, it's almost unheard of that anyone would ever simply diagnose that the problem with a child is simply bad parenting and not an issue of a disorder. Now look, before you send me emails or tweet or you know nasty tweets or you, you judge before I just said, please, 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 what I'm saying is this. It's not always a disorder or a disease. It can't always be the problem. Maybe just maybe there is a greater crisis and that is that there is good parenting and there is bad parenting. And trust me, I I don't feel like I'm gonna stand up here as an expert and say, I've got it all figured out. This is why I wanna bring you back to an ancient time. The apostle Paul was writing a letter to the church in the city of Corinth, a, a city based on an economy of sex trafficking where at the center of the city was the temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of sexual fulfillment, and so they would worship her through temple prostitution, ritual prostitution, 
which meant an entire economy of women being brought in to be used as sex slaves. And so imagine what homes looked like when dads were going out and hiring prostitutes to worship their goddess, when children are being raised in an entire culture like this. Imagine the unhealth and the dysfunction. And in that context, the apostle Paul writes a letter and in his letter, chapter 13 is kind of the key point where he writes this, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Now he's not writing this specifically about parenting. He's writing this about what God's love looks like. God's love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God's love never fails. But certainly God's love affects and infects every aspect of the way we love. It, it affects the way we we, we relate to ourselves in marriage, the way we interact with people in our sexual experiences, the way we interact with people uh, in broader relationships, and certainly the way we adult, and specifically the way we parent. My challenge to you is this. In contrast to what is trending, what does God's love look like? In fact, that's the key. That's the principle that I think jumps off the pages is that Paul is saying, in contrast to the way they loved in Corinth, there is a different way to love. In the contrast to the way you parented in Corinth, there is a different way. And, and here is the key. This is what I'd encourage you to write down if you're taking notes in your program in a study guide. Pull out a smartphone or a tablet. If you're on social media, write this down. This is the key. This is what I want you to take away. Um, if we're gonna parent, parenting means tough, not trending love. Parenting means tough, not trending love. It means that we parent based not on what's popular, but what's right, God's way. And this is not easy. This is challenging. That's why I said tough love. Because loving God's way is tougher than what is trending. So I, I think some, some people at the core think Children are fundamentally good. Ask any parent. No parent fundamentally believes that their kids at the core are good. Because before they ever learn a word, they know how to do bad things. They, they know how to say no when you don't even teach them no. In fact, our, youngest, our, our, I mean, our oldest daughter, so when she was little, we actually forbid to use the word no in our house. We didn't want our family when they came over to use the word no because we didn't want her to start saying no, 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 no. And so we, we just forbid the word no. However, one of our relatives who didn't know our rule came over to visit and they used the word no one time. You know what her favorite word was from that point on? No. We tell her to say, no, 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 right? Like nobody taught her that that was what she should say. Kids don't need to be taught to do bad. They are fundamentally bad. Why? How dare I say this? Check it out. Your kids at the core are fundamentally bad. And it's so, it sounds so bad to say, but let me, let me explain why. Because we're all fundamentally broken. How do I know this? Not because, of I, not because I have a degree in counseling and psychology, although I do. Uh, because the core of who we are, we are spiritually misaligned. 
We are fundamentally broken at the core because we were born that way. That's right. You and I were born with misaligned desires. We were born spiritually broken. That is what biblical authors call sin. Sin, which is a spiritual brokenness, is at the fundamental core of who we are. And as a result, we push away from God toward what we want. And at a two-year-old, understands that. A two-year-old is resisting authority and doing what they want. Nobody taught them to do that. In fact, everything is telling them that that's going to cause them pain. That's going to get them into trouble. You're not going to get what you want when you do what you want, right? So their whole experience tells them doing what you want is bad, and yet they want to do it. Why? Because they are two-year-old sinners, They're fundamentally broken and headed toward ruin. Some of them faster than others. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad you got that. Um, One of mine is moving very fast toward ruin (laughs) by the wrath of daddy. Okay, but let let me stay on course here. Okay, so here's the deal. All of us are driven by this thing called sin, which pushes us away from God, and that's the core crisis. Because we push away from God, we are given over to our own desires, our own selfishness, our own sin, which drives us toward a life of ruin, and ultimately then, into an eternal destruction. Not because you had bad parents, or because you did bad things, but because every one of us are fundamentally broken by sin, and headed toward our own ruin. But God, the ultimate loving parent, intervened in our story by becoming one of us. When the Apostle Paul is writing about love, he is reflecting on the way God loves us as an adoring parent. God who became one of us, Jesus Christ, who took on our sin, our shame, the death sentence that we all are facing, Jesus took that on himself so that when he died, he died once for all, absorbing our punishment, absorbing the sin judgment we faced so that when he died, he died in our place once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins. That fundamental spiritual misalignment course corrected and brought into right relationship with God. Now through faith in Jesus, God's spirit enters into your spirit and now you are realigned in right relationship with God and God's spirit in you now guides you into right living. It's not right living that brings you into relationship with God. It's relationship with God that brings you into right living. When God's love enters us, it's not a trending popular love. It's not a comfortable and safe love. It's a transformational love that transforms every part of who we are. It transforms how we date. It transforms how we love. It transforms how we live, how we relate in marriage. It transforms parenting. So now I want to take that and I want to apply it in a couple of steps. I want to give you some practical principles on how God's love translates into parenting. And so let's jump back and let's just look at this first uh, part of this passage for you. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse seven, which simply says, it always protects. What's the point of that? If you were to apply that to parenting, it would be simply this. Um, Tough love means that you and I are God's authority in our children's lives. Ho, 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 whoa. This just got heavy. Think about that. If 
Godly love protects. What that means as a parent and as an as someone who God has put in their lives to raise them, you are God's authority in your children's lives. Do you, do you exercise godly authority in your parenting? Now, I don't know how you came into becoming a parent. Some of you, you think that it was an accident and you're still not quite sure how it happened. I talked about that last week. You can go, you can go re-listen to that sermon. It was PG-13, so don't necessarily watch with your kids. All right. Um, there are no accidents in the way God works to bring life. There, there, there are good and better and not so good ways to get there. But God has helped put you in a place where now you are raising a child. Yay, now step up, don't give up. Your responsibility is to be God's authority in their life. What does that look like? It means that first you recognize it's not an accident, it is a responsibility. How are you exercising that responsibility? It means recognize that your responsibility is to protect them and raise them and guard them. You are responsible to guard them from the evils of the world around them. I don't mean shelter in an overly protective manner. I do, however, mean that you are responsible to protect them from evil and teach them so that they grow and learn how to avoid evil in their lives. You are responsible to be godly authority, which means they are not responsible to make decisions. They are not responsible to know between right and wrong at a young age, which means you're not looking to them to tell you how to parent them. Now, let me, time out, let me, a confession moment. I, I bought this book uh, by James Dobson, uh, Raising Girls. The only one that's read it in our home is my oldest daughter. <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on that one for about 10 years. So every once in a while, we're like, hey, Rebecca, what was the tip that he gave? Right? But <laughs> the truth is, though, she's not responsible to figure out how we should parent her. Some of you are abdicating responsibility because you expect your kids to tell you what they like and don't like, what they want to do and what they don't want. Do you want to eat this? We, and we do this. We make this mistake. We're like, hey, Daniel, do you want this or this? And we're like, wait, why are we asking you? Who cares what you think? You're going to eat this. Right now, I'm not saying be domineering and authoritarian. I am, however, saying lift the burden and you carry the responsibility of being God's authority in their life and don't expect them to be their own authority. And too many families are getting off track because they allow the children to direct the home. Oh, you want to play that sport? Oh, you want to do that? Oh, you want to make that a priority? Oh, you want to go there? No, no, no. I am not your chauffeur. I am your father and I am God's authority in your life which means a child's responsibility is what? To obey. Your responsibility as parents is to teach your children to obey. They best are blessed when they submit to God's authority by submitting to your authority. Now, before you think that that gives you the right to act like God in your home and, and, and maybe even have a God-like Messiah complex, slow down. Remember, it is, you're not parenting for good behavior, you're parenting the heart. So make sure that when you're exercising your godly authority, you are acting more like Jesus. 
You're conducting yourself with the heart of God the Father. You are a lover, loving and nurturing mother. You're not domineering and authoritative. You are nurturing and caring for their heart, not just their behavior. Too many Christian homes, they only care about outcomes. They only care about the kids acting good and looking good. In essence, they're teaching their children to be hypocrites, to have a corrupted heart while conforming to good behavior. Look, I am okay with my kids not having perfect behavior because I'm trying to parent their heart. You with me so far? Okay, which means this. That's Christian parents. Don't, by the way, don't try this without godly love, right? Tough love only works if it's coming from God, outside of godly love. Man, don't try to be a great parent. Just, just you get tap into the source of God's love. But here's the deal. Let me give you a, a, another rule under this whole understanding of God's authority. God parented you for the purpose of a relationship with you, not for his reputation. God does not, is not afraid to look bad by being seen around imperfect people. God's goal is relationship, not reputation. Parent in such a way to protect the relationship, not your reputation. Which then leads me to the next point, which is critical. And it's this, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verse 7 and 8. Let's jump back. Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The next couple of points I want to give you are going to be breaking down these, these ideas. Always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. How do you love in such a way that you can trust your children, you have hope in their future, and your love is persevering, it's this, right? Tough love means you, you are leading by example. It's what's caught, not taught. You with me so far? So what are, what are they catching from you? Which is the opposite of saying, do what I say, not what I do. I want my children to be able to watch my life and learn this. I can both do what daddy does and do what daddy says because they're congruent. What daddy says and daddy does matches. What mommy says and mommy does, they match. Make sure you're living it before you're leading it. I want my kids to catch me doing something right. I want them to be, I want them to catch me in a moment of excellence. I want them to catch me in a moment of godliness. I want them to catch me living well because when I'm living well, then I am leading well. You with me so far? So what, how are you living it so that you can then lead it? Are you loving God? Here's the deal. It's just a quick survey, right? How do you want your children to speak? Does it match how you speak? How do you want your children to use technology? Does it match how you're using technology? How do you want your children to be in a loving relationship? Does it match how you love your spouse? Go down the list. How do I want my children to connect with God? How do I want them to go to church? How do I want them to handle finances? Does it match how I'm living? If not, get your life right first and then make sure you're showing it to them as an example. But then be willing to bear your life to your children. Talk openly about finances. Talk openly about purity. Talk openly about technology. Talk openly about difficult subjects so that they're learning it from you rather than learning it in the locker room. Okay, this is not trending love. This is tough love. Here is the reality. Most insecurity in parents arises from comparing your behind the scenes with other people's highlight reel. It's just a quote. I, wanted to, I hope you write this down because I think most parents wrestle with this, right? Because I'm telling you to live it before you lead it. 
And then, and then I'm saying, okay, so wait, before you panic, insecurity stirs when we compare our behind the scenes with others' highlight reels. It's because on Facebook, you think every other parent's perfect. Look, you do right by God. You live right. And then let God use your example to, to invest into your children, okay? Let your life be a reflection of God into your children's lives. Let them see, let them catch you doing right. Let them catch you living well. And hey, when you make a mistake, let them catch you asking for forgiveness. Let them catch you uh, making things right in your marriage. I, I, I have overcome this fear that my kids are gonna catch Laura and I having a disagreement, even a heated disagreement, because I don't wanna give an impression that marriage is easy or perfect. I want them to see daddy saying he's sorry. I want them to see see me making things right, me serving in my home, when I don't do well, that they see me humbling myself and honoring my wife or honoring them by saying, hey, I'm sorry. Now, let me, let me keep moving here because I want to make sure you don't miss these things. Um, the next, the next uh, part I want you to catch is, is this. Uh, Paul's also writing in his letter to the church in Ephesus, which is a similar context to Corinth. In Ephesians chapter 6, he writes this. Um, so check this out. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What, what's the point of his passage? It's this. Tough love means discipline. That's right. It means that we teach our children through discipline. Now, before you, you think that I'm just talking about corporal punishment, the words he uses there when he's talking about discipline are two different sports ideas. Think about a football team. The way you train football players is through practice, the activity of getting good behaviors right, and coaching. So he says it, training and instruction. Training is the physical activity of practicing, and then the, the instruction is the coaching part. I want to challenge you that tough love means means you are responsible to discipline your children. Discipline, remember the goal of discipline is not the conformity of behavior, but teaching them that so that over time they eventually learn to live right and do right. But you're not just trying to get the behavior right in this moment, you're trying to get the heart right. So let me raise this, let me, let me set the standard straight for you. Your goal is not perfection. I'm not trying to get my kids to behave perfectly. I'm trying to get them to understand so that they can obey God and honor God with their life, which means the goal of discipline is not punishment, but guidance. I want to guide my children. I want to teach them, which, takes, which means I have to get them to practice right behaviors, practice right living, and then I coach them in how to live right. I explain to them, here's why we're going to do that. Now, if, I, if I'm with my two-year-old, I'm going to have a different level of coaching than I am with my 16-year-old. Do not try to coach a two-year-old all the time. You're going to wear them out, right? Sometimes it's just about getting them to do right behaviors. But be consistent. Train them to be first-time listeners. You do what I ask you to do. I do not let my little boys push the limits. I have a one-year-old, and even right now, like, the biggest thing for him is teaching him to touch gently, because he likes to smack everyone. And so we grab his hand, gentle, gentle, and as soon as you like go, no, grab it, grab it back, right? But the point is, that's a practicing, that's a behavior thing, right? But then there's a training over time, we're going to train them, here's how, here's why. Okay, now let me give you an, an, a great line that I really appreciate. Your greatest success may not be something you accomplish but someone you raise. If you could just write that down and let that stick in your heart. 
I, bought, I got that from Andy Stanley. He was doing a message on parenting, and I was like, that is genius. And some of you are working so hard in your job. You're climbing the corporate ladder. You're achieving so much. What if you took the same amount of intentionality and focus and energy, and you put it into raising your children? What if the most significant thing you ever, you ever do is not something you accomplish, but someone you raise? Can I challenge you that that requires discipline, hard work, tough love? All right, let me give you one more as we're, as we're wrapping up here, and, and it's this. I want to give you one more passage of Scripture, and, and hopefully this makes sense for you. The first is uh, love never fails, right? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, love never fails. And then Ephesians chapter uh, 6 uh, he, he, he wraps it up with this. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Here's the deal. Tough love is pointing them to love God. What is your goal as a parent? My goal is to invest tough love to raise my children to love God. That, that's it. That's my goal. Some of you, you're, you're trying to raise children to become an engineer or to become a doctor, become a lawyer. Maybe you want them to become a professional athlete or you want them to get a full ride to college. Look, there's a lot of things you can raise your children to become. If you could only pick one, can I challenge you? Raise your children to love God. That's it. So how do you do that? Show them the love of God. You love God. Love God's word. Love the church. Love worshiping God. Love talking to them about the things of God. Love them with the love of God. Love them in such a way that you guide them in God's purpose for their life rather than your purpose for their life. Speak God's love over them. And if you love them with the love of God, they will learn to love God. My goal is that my daughters, my sons, will grow to be men and women of God, first and foremost and above all else. And if they love God, I will have done my job well. And if they don't, I will pray every day until they do. Now, I want to I bring this in for a landing. Here is the deal. I started by saying um, that whether you are a parent or not, you are, you are leaving an impression on young minds and hearts. And I believe that within LifeHouse, God is raising up a generation of godly parents. And we want to share a story with you because we were approached by um, the, our local uh, Department of Social Services. And I just want to share a story with you because I believe that there's an opportunity here. There, there might be a family, maybe a couple, you're looking to be parents and right now you can't be. Uh, or maybe you're in a different life situation and you're willing to open your home. And I just thought, man, what better sermon than I'm talking about parenting to suggest that maybe you might want to open your home up to a child that right now, they approached our church and said, would you be willing to invite families to consider adopting this little girl? So we want to share this story with you. Check this out. Hi, this is Khalees. Khalees is a five-year-old little girl who loves hugs and kisses. Khalees has Charge Syndrome, a disease that presents with numerous physical and behavioral difficulties. She likes playing with other children. She interacts well with other people. She'll come right up to you and offer you a hug or want you to pick her up and cuddle her. She just loves that sense of touch and closeness that she gets from being around people. Khalees goes to school half day and she gets speech therapy, physical therapy, and occupational therapy in school. She gets all of her food through her G-tube. It's liquid. All of her medicines come in liquid form as well. So she gets nursing care for 12 hours, 7p to 7a at night. And she also has a nurse who will go with her to school. Khalees is treated by multiple doctors at the University of Maryland Medical Center, where she is well-known and loved. Everybody who meets Khalees falls in love with Khalees. <laughs> 
She's big hearted and she's got so much to offer a family as far as progress. The more you give, the more she gives back. But it takes commitment and time and patience and love for her because she's gonna ask a lot of you. For more information about Khalees, you can contact Miss Olivia Laguerre at the Hagerstown County Department of Social Services. Khalees has a lot of physical and emotional needs, but with love, patience, and treatment, she can still grow into a kind and loving little girl. She deserves her chance. She really does. She deserves her chance. Look, I get it. Um, parenting is scary. And um, I... I I was kind of taken back when our government would approach us and say, would you help us to find Khalees, a forever family? And so I'm just praying, I've been praying over this weekend that God would put it on a family's heart. They're saying that you know, she's available for adoption and man, I just wanna do whatever I can to help kids that need a family to find a family. Kind of matches the letter of James. The true religion is this, to care for widows and orphans. And so, hey, you saw the information on there. If that's where you're at and you're willing, uh, reach out to them. By the way, if maybe you're saying, well, I might not be ready to adopt Khalees, but I am seriously interested in this, would you reach out to them? I mean, they gave the email address, the phone number. Uh, right now, however, I want to invite you to respond. For many of you, Maybe you're carrying pain from the past because of your childhood experiences. Maybe childhood trauma and what you need is to be loved by God the Father. Would you open your heart right now to receive God's unending love? For others of you, you've been given a responsibility to influence others, but what you need is to receive that love so that you can give that love. Others of you, your parents, you're feeling that burden of fear of insecurity and guilt, but you want to get this right. And I want to take a moment, I want to pray over you. So some of you, you're saying yes to Jesus Christ and receiving his love. Others of you, you're asking God's love to fill you so it spills from you. I just want to take a moment and I want to pray over you right now. Would you allow me to pray over you? Jesus, I want to say thank you for loving us so much. You showed us what true love is like and you, you, get, you offered us the love that you received from your Father God. And so now, Lord, we receive that love, and we ask that what we receive, we would share. For those of us that have been trusted as parents, Lord, I pray that you would give us a boldness and encourage to exercise tough, not trending love, that we would raise our children with discipline. We would raise them to love you. We would lead them by example. Lord, I pray for courage over every parent at every one of our campuses joining us online. God, that they would be emboldened by your spirit to parent well. Lord, for those right now that are carrying heartache from childhood trauma, God, I pray healing. I pray, God, I pray that your spirit would fill those broken pieces. God, that you would be a loving father to those that are carrying deep wounds from their childhood. And God, right now, I pray that you'd be present here to encourage, to heal, to do the miraculous. And God, that every one of us would, would leave this moment emboldened to walk in your love. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.